Yo, DJ L Spade, Common Knowledge Podcast. Just a man doing the best he can with what he got. And, man, the news has been going crazy for the last week and a half. There's been a lot of noteworthy news that's been going on. And it's impossible to really cover everything. And me just being a podcaster, I'm not going to sit here and pretend like I'm an expert in everything on the news. You know, I'm just a guy talking on the Internet. So I've tried my best to stay away from, like, really diving into the uh, Derek Chauvin case for the murder of George Floyd. Because first the trial is going on and I would like to think that everybody in America is innocent until proven guilty. However, when you look at the video of how George Floyd died, it's just an obvious case of excessive force and police brutality. I think nobody would disagree with that. I think the underlying concern was that typically we don't as a society convict cops cops tend to get off with damn near anything and it's kind of the assumption we work on that yo cops have a dangerous job so if they have to kill a few people while doing their job that's the trade-off because their job is hard and that's kind of what we roll with but what we've done in return is just take all the accountability out of being a police officer And if you look into why this is, you will be very disturbed. Uh, There is something called qualified immunity, right? A lot of folks don't know about this. Well, you know about it, but you don't know you know about it, right? So what uh, qualified immunity is a judicial doctrine created by the Supreme Court in the late 1960s. Keep that date in your head that shields state actors from liability for their misconduct, even when they break the law. And without getting too wonky, basically what qualified immunity does is it, it means it has to be a clearly stated law, right? That's being broken by a police officer or an actor of the state, right? Which leaves a lot of ambiguity into what clear law is. That's the reason why it's hard to sue a police officer or somebody who works for the state. And just to wrap this up in the bow, basically because the civil rights movement, black folks out there fighting for equal voting rights and the police was out there fucking them up and they had to shield the police for doing the state's dirty work. So this was like adopted in the late 1960s during the civil rights movement. And I can hear somebody right now. Oh, there go L Spade making everything about race. But that's the thing, like damn near everything in America is always about race. And I'm not going to get into the particulars of the case. I feel like if you want to follow the case, then there's news outlets that could do a better job of giving you a play-by-play account of the case than I can. However, I will say what is just miraculous to me is the way that the the prosecutors are going after Chauvin. Because typically in my lifetime, I've never seen uh, a prosecutor go after a police officer like this. I mean, they had the chief of police come up there and testify against Chauvin. They had the person that conducted the use of force training for the police department come up and testify that Chauvin was out of line when he put his knee 
on George Floyd's neck. They had the EMT come up there and testify about like not rendering service or life-saving uh, services to Floyd. Uh, man, they had everybody up there testifying against Chauvin. And once again, it's obvious when you look at the tape that it was truly a use of excessive force. And Derek Chauvin was out of line by doing it. But it seems like they're poised to convict this man. Now, however, I would not be surprised if they don't convict him because, look, man, we don't have a track record of convicting cops. Cops typically get off on stuff like this. However, they're setting up a good case from the prosecution side. Like I said, check it out yourself. But what's really disheartening to me is the defense of Chauvin. And let me say, I truly believe anybody in America deserves a great defense. I don't care who you are, like Charles Manson, Jeffrey Dahmer, they deserve a good defense because that's one of the pillars of American justice that we try to live up to, right? So Chauvin deserves a, a damn good defense. But some of the things used in his defense are just underlining some of the problems in America. Like, it, it really shows how we think of white people versus black people in America. It honestly does. And once again, you can, um, you can look at the case yourself and make your own conclusions. I'm not going to talk about the case, but however, I am going to talk about some of the defenses of Chauvin I've seen on social media right now, because it's really telling. Here go one of the defenses. It was a big crowd of people and that distracted Chauvin. All right, man. Cool. I mean, that's a, a point, right? However, that goes out the window when you look at Chavez's picture and he has his hands in his pocket. Look, man, I was in the military. The first thing they teach you is never put your hands in your pockets. And I used to always wonder, like, why you never put your hands in your pocket? And it was broke down to me that if you have your hands in your pocket, you're never ready for anything that's coming at you, man. It's a dismissive, passive way to get hit. You're never ready if your hands are in your pockets. So you never put your hand in your pocket. And I haven't been in police training, but I'm pretty damn sure they train you never put your hands in your pocket. That's a very dismissive way of just lording power over somebody. Like it was dismissive, it was passive. It was like saying that, hey, I can do this because I can, if we're being honest with ourselves. The defense is saying, yo, it's a bunch of black people there and black people are scary. I mean, y'all know black folks scary. So I mean, hey, he got to keep on Make an example out of this black man to show these other black people to don't get out of line. That's what it is. You want to be honest about it. And another thing that's just sitting wrong with me that people are using as a defense for Chauvin is they're making the counterfeit 20 an issue. A counterfeit 20. It's disheartening as hell to think that a black man's life is worth 20 bucks. Likewise, it was disheartening when Eric Gardner died over a pack of loose cigarettes, selling loose cigarettes. So like a black man's life ain't worth two loose cigarettes and $20, bro. Like, I can understand, once again, you having to control the situation as a police officer. and. I'm trying to be fair in looking at this. 
maybe George Floyd was acting uh, erratic and resisting arrest in the beginning. But just like the use of force training officer said in the trial, once you have the person under control, stop, right? There's still no legit reason to have your knee on the neck of a person for nine minutes. Like, like those of you who do judo or jujitsu, think about that for a second. Think about like you rolling with somebody and they put you in a lock, a chokehold, and they just hold it for nine minutes, bruh. That is savage and a total disregard for human life. Period. And another thing that just really pissed me the hell off, though, I'm just going to be honest, is people making a big deal out of George Floyd having fentanyl in his system and being on drugs, right? And the reason why this pissing me off was I thought we was supposed to be more sympathetic to drug addiction in the year our Lord 2021. There was just a big bill passed in Congress to try to help combat the opioid epidemic, right? To try to get people help, right? For opioids. You know, much like we didn't do for the crack epidemic in America, but for opioids, we were supposed to be more sympathetic. We've grown as a people. Apparently that only means white people. Because here you got a black man who was addicted to opioids, painkillers. The man was in pain. The man was literally in pain every damn day. He got addicted to painkillers, much like Rush Limbaugh did. Nope, black man addicted to opioids. That's a legit reason to kill him. See, he should have died because he was on opioids. And I hate the link to criminality in black people. Like, only for black people is criminality a legit reason to kill us. It doesn't go that way for white people in America. You can shoot up a church. You can shoot up a nightclub. You can storm the Capitol. Hey man, shoot up some Asian massage parlors. It's all good. You get the person, you put them in handcuffs, and they they day in court. But only when the death of a black person comes up, we look at criminal history. Like being a black criminal is a legit reason to kill you. And this is hard for me, man, because like I myself have been in situations. Right now, I'm in Japan. I speak Japanese. I have a college degree. And God forbid if anything happens to me and y'all start digging up my past and y'all be like, well, Marcus deserved to die because, hey, look what he did when he was 16, 17, 18, 23. Bruh, it's not fair. Like, literally, if I did something tomorrow and I did my debt to society and I die, I will hope y'all look at the circumstances of my death and my murder and not just be so passive about it because, hey, yo, three months ago, I did a crime. And the problem I have with, like, most of these cases is instead of trying to make it a legal matter, we make it a cultural issue. It becomes like a part of this quote-unquote cultural war thing when we start just to try to pick sides and say, well, you know, this is what that side wants and the other side wants when all Americans should be pissed off about this. And I'm not going to sit here and make predictions about what's going to happen to Chauvin. I, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not in the courtroom. I'm not a juror on this. But it'd be interesting to see. But for the rest of us just watching this, man, it's good to keep things in context. 
Yo, Marcus L. Space Johnson here, humbly asking you guys to go over to your favorite streaming service provider and listen to my new song, Lost Control, featuring James Payne, Lethal, and Pistol Paco. Man, do that. Greatly appreciate y'all. Peace. Yo, the culture wars are a real thing right now in American society. And Joe Biden is an easy target for people to attack, right? So the shtick on Joe Biden is, if you look at a lot of uh, people from the right, is that Joe Biden is this senile old man that can barely put on his pants and says crazy stuff. Now, I'm not going to lie. Joe Biden has made this easy because Joe Biden is a walking gaff. Joe Biden has always been good for letting <laughs> some gaffs fly, right? He's always been that guy. And I'm not the one sitting there out here trying to ride for Joe Biden, but I do think it's misplaced. If you like listen to people on the right talk about Joe Biden, they always talk about his mental cognitivity, right? Like, is he, is he mentally able to do the job and for the most part i think he is mentally competent seriously like and i'm not a doctor so i can't like really speak on like what it takes but if we're going by the trump test that he took for um for uh mental cognitivity which was basically uh oh repeat giraffe banana gorilla and fish <laughs> backwards i mean I don't think it takes a lot to uh, make that claim. So moving on to one of my friends on Facebook, man, I'll call him AP. The homie AP made a post on Facebook about Joe Biden. And this was something Joe Biden said uh, during the campaign trail. And he said, um, Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's death did. Right? This was in a meme. And I'm reluctant to take anything a meme says seriously, but this is actually correct, right? You can look up the, um, the quote when uh, Joe Biden said it. And once again, the quote is, Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's death did. And just a little like background, the homie AP is white, right? <laughs> He's right. And yo, people just really was quick to dismiss this quote from Joe Biden. Like, oh my God, oh, Joe. Like people who posted comments, replies on AP's post, they had all the comments to say about Joe Biden. It's like, uh, Jesse uh, Potis said, oh, tarred, as in retard, right? Not my words, as uh, Mr. Potis' words. Uh, Toby Bunch, what an idiot. Martin was worldwide, man. Uh, Carol Blankship, good grief, ridiculous statement. Right? And I'm like, is it a ridiculous statement? I just honestly... Thinking about this, is it a ridiculous statement? 
Now, on its face, it does seem like a ridiculous statement, right? But I think that's because we're trained to be so polarized and be like, yeah, anything Joe Biden says is stupid, yeah, if you're on the right, right? But think about it. He said Dr. King's assassination did not have the worldwide impact that George Floyd's did. I just want you to think about this logically. First, this is a opinion statement. So there's really not anything that you can get mad about because it's just Joe Biden's opinion. Like he has the right to think that this one had more impact than um, Martin Luther King Jr.'s assassination. Right? Totally reasonable to say that. It's not like a illogical thing to say. But my first question to anybody who's like disputing this and trying to make it seem like Joe Biden was stupid for saying this or losing his mind for saying this. My first question is, how old are you? Dead ass. Martin Luther King Jr. was assassinated April the 4th, 1968 in Memphis, Tennessee at the Little Rain Motel, right? That was 53 years ago. So if you're my age in your late 30s or even the 45 to 50, you got to shut the hell up. Because you wasn't there, right? <laughs> right? Say what you want, but Joe Biden was there during the assassination of Martin Luther King Jr. So he has a point of reference. Most of us don't, right? That's my grandma and my dad. Like, my dad has a point of reference because my dad is over uh, 60, right? Uh, I do a YouTube show with uh, Uncle Stash, a man named Uncle Stash. Uncle Stash vividly remembers. He's Canadian. He remembers traveling down south. And seeing like white only bathrooms. And my father does too, because they're in their 60s, right? And let me say, Uncle Stash thinks that the death of Martin Luther King Jr. is way more impactful than the death of George Floyd for various different reasons. But once again, I respect his opinion more because he was there, right? It's still an opinion. Like you have a right to be on either side of it, but it's just an opinion. They have a point of reference for this. But if you're in your 50s, like, 53 or younger, you need to shut the hell up, my guy, because you wasn't there for it. Like, you hear the after impact just like I do, and you've seen the growth since then, but you don't know the impact. Second point I want to make about this. Yo, technology wasn't as good as it is now. It's not, dude. Like, you didn't have a worldwide community in the, the likes you have now, right? I mean, so the whole civil rights movement was based on shame. Pretty much. It was shaming people. Like, yo, we're going to go out here. We're going to peacefully protest. And that's supposed to be like one of the tenets of America that anybody can peacefully uh, assemble. We're going to go out here and protest and we're going to be nonviolent to shame all these people. And once it's on the news, it's going to shame people into basically, you know, doing what's right. It was based on shame. Now, think about how more effective that would have been if they had social media back then. When the world could see that. Right. If the world could have saw everything that was done like instantaneously during the civil rights movement. There's a strong argument to be made. The civil rights movement wouldn't have took so long. It would have been quicker, more instantaneous. Right. It would have had a bigger impact because of technology alone. Like, Do not discredit like how much social media made an impact in the death of George Floyd, because I can tell you right now, I'm in Tokyo, Japan. And it hit hard over here. It opened up a dialogue with a lot of Japanese people and they had to like realize that, yo, we don't treat black people all the way correctly. And once again, you can make the same argument for the death of Dr. King, man. Like there were other countries that really 
took the death of Dr. King hard too. Cause I mean, Dr. King traveled to India and different places around the world. So a lot of places around the world was also affected too. You know, so it's a valid argument to be, argument to be made that, yo, Dr. King's assassination was way more impactful. Right? So, I mean, and once again, this is all just opinion, right? This is all just opinion. And people have a right to have an opinion on either side. I'm just asking on the homies AP post is, yo, what did you have wrong with the, the, uh, the quote that Joe Biden made? And that was my thing. Like, yo, can, can you explain why you think Martin Luther King Jr.'s death was more impactful than George Floyd? Because people like to just talk about stuff they heard, but nobody wants to fully think out and verbalize their thoughts. And if you know me, I get tired of white people in general using Martin Luther King Jr. as a cudgel, much like they did Bill Cosby before we found out he was a rapist. To like show black folks and shame black folks like, hey, Dr. King did this. When we all know that Dr. King was a rebel rouser and a criminal. He was looking at the domestic terrorists, right? But now everybody want to use Dr. King as a counterpoint for black people. But once again, my honest question was, do you guys remember? Were you there? Do you know? Or are you shitting on Joe? That was my question. The response I got was, your response is exactly what they want it to be. Which I replied, who are they? <laughs> and the reply I got was, your Democrat masters. What? My Democrat masters? Yeah, I'm just asking the question. Why do you think that Martin Luther King Jr.'s death was more impactful than George Floyd's death was worldwide, right? You got a lot of legit reasons, seriously. But what I got was my Democratic masters. You don't need to defend Joe. I'm only showing the laughing stock that the world sees. I'm like, oh, okay, all right, cool. Once again, that didn't explain why you think Martin Luther King Jr.'s death was more impactful than George Floyd. Another comment I got, Marcus Elspeth Johnson, if you only knew AP, you would definitely know he's not a Democrat. Once again, not an answer to the question why you think Martin Luther King Jr.'s death was more impactful than George Floyd. AP, you can bring an irrational liberal Democrat to the surface anywhere, can't you? Once again, not an answer to why <laughs> Martin Luther King Jr.'s death was more impactful than George Floyd's. Probably because he actually stood for rights and equality, unlike Black Lives Matter. Uh, okay, kind of an answer, you know, all right. <laughs> I wish you kind of would have expanded on that, like, yo, <laughs> what exactly do you mean? But yo, I respect that, that's kind of an answer. Plus like, yo, let's get that understood, man. Martin Luther King Jr. wasn't really fighting for equality. He was, he wasn't. He was fighting for civility, the bare minimum. Like, yo, y'all be civil. It's an argument to be made that we're still fighting right for equality. And me personally, as a cynic, I don't know if equality will ever happen. Like, we're not equal in America among statues. Like, women are not equal among men. Women still get paid less on general. We don't treat women with the same dignity and respect we treat men. And black folks are not treated with the same disrespect as uh, dignity and respect as white men. Just not. It's not equal, right? 
I don't know if it'll ever be equal. However, civility is what uh, the civil rights movement was about. Civil rights. Like, yo, stop putting the water hose on my ass. You know, allow me to sit wherever I want to on this damn bus and stop putting the dogs on my ass and stop just beating me up for being black. That type shit, right? That's not equality, right? So I think we equate that. Well, yeah, we've got equality from Martin Luther King Jr. And, you know, we did get a voting right act out of that, which got repealed, right? <laughs> so you're talking about impact of Martin Luther King Jr. We can't even keep some of the stuff he fought for now in America. And as soon as the voting acts were repealed, look what happened. We started getting these restricted bills for voter rights. And yo, that's my point. If you're going to be out here using the name of Dr. King, man, show your work. Like, be able to explain this stuff. Don't just use the name of Dr. King in vain. I get so tired of white folks and black folks, but white folks in particular just using Dr. King when not even knowing what he stood for. So, yeah, I mean, once again, you have a right to think what you want to think. But I'm just proving that the culture war really, really got people not thinking critically. Because you can make an argument that, yes, Dr. King's assassination had a greater effect than George Floyd's death did, right? But if you're just leaning on what George Floyd was a petty criminal and blah, 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 and his effects have nothing, I know you're kind of telling yourself, man. Now, if you're asking me personally, what do I think personally? Do I think Dr. King's death had a bigger impact than George Floyd's death did? My answer is, I don't know, because we're still living. I, I don't know what's going to come out of George Floyd's death, right? I will say the initial impact of George Floyd's death was felt around the world, and I can say that because I'm halfway across the world, and it hit hard here. It sparked a lot of movements here, a lot of grassroots movement where people in Japan, like um, the halves, as they call them here, like people who are mixed with Japanese, they get treated differently here in Japan than like full-blooded Japanese people. Like the halves had their own march. Like, yeah, we're getting treated differently. It sparked a whole lot from this George Floyd movement, right? And we can say that's in the spirit of Dr. King. And that's really the problem I have with this post in general. Like, why are we comparing to black men's death, right? When what we should be arguing is, why are black men dying like this? Like, seriously, if you're going to use Dr. King's death, then you also need to ride for what Dr. King stood for. Right. And not like disparage George Floyd. So that's what it was really telling about this post from AP to me. It's like people are using this time to deride George Floyd. But if you really and truly was riding for what Martin Luther King stood for and lived for and died for, then you wouldn't be using the legacy of Dr. King to disparage George Floyd. So you're pretty much telling yourself you don't care. And I have the question how much of an impact it had on you personally. Like, the hell it worldwide, but what impact did it have on you? Because apparently, you didn't really learn much, did you? I don't even know why we even pitting these two guys against each other, right? Right? Like, that was Joe Biden's statement. He has a right to think that. Do I think it was a dumb statement? Eh, not really. It depends how you look at it. Do I think it's a right to just um, dog Joe Biden? Eh, not really. But hey, it ain't about that. 
It's about showing what side you ride for, baby. If you ride for a certain side, then everything Joe Biden say is going to be wrong. Even when it may be wrong. Yo, what's up, DJ L Spade, Common Knowledge Podcast. If you like my podcast, maybe you'll like my music too. I humbly ask that you go listen to my music on Spotify, Apple Music, or other music streaming service providers. Thank you. Yo, if you've been listening to my podcast on episode 24, the unintentionally black of the black, black, black episode, on the third segment of my podcast, I was congratulating Oregon for decriminalizing all drugs. And I was like, yeah, we need to start like highlighting this. And little did I know that good old New York had a trick up their damn sleeve. <laughs> and yo, this makes a damn difference. So the homie Andrew Cuomo, who is particularly gross and going through a lot of uh, political turmoil right now, just signed a bill basically legalizing marijuana in the whole state of New York. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. This is a big one, man. And, woo, Cuomo, you are gross and disgusting, man, but this bill right here, it's going to help. So if you don't know, basically the new bill it allows smoking everywhere cigarettes are allowed, which as I see it to be a lot of places that you can smoke, right? <laughs> right. Also, it makes smoking outside okay. So if the police smell marijuana outside while you're smoking, can't stop you. Also, you're allowed to have three ounces on your person. And let me tell you right now, man, three ounces is a lot. <laughs> Yo, three ounces, just walking around with three ounces, my guy? That's a lot of weed, dude. I have a friend of mine, man, good friend of mine, who got put in jail for an ounce of weed, dude. So to, to walk around with three ounces, dude, that's that's a lot. <laughs> Just to walk around with big bags, bro. Damn, New York. The bill also allows you to have five pounds at your house, bro. Yo, New York went all in on this, dog. Five pounds? Man, y'all, yo, a, a lot of y'all don't know how much five pounds of weed is, dude. Like, seriously. And I'm not knocking you if you don't know how much five pounds is, dog. But five pounds being legal in your house is basically saying, yo, it's okay for you to have weed. Like, we have no problem with weed no more. Five pounds. Because... Allegedly, I know people that got into the game, like trying to sell weed and try to hustle with less than five pounds. Like I know people allegedly that like saved up their money and bought like two pounds, three pounds wholesale and didn't try to flip those pounds to make money. Right. Legit. Like one pound is a lot for one person. <laughs> oh, <laughs> like seriously though five pounds is baseline getting into the game like i'm I'm just now jumping off the porch and trying to make something happen man which is kind of funny man because i can understand you saying recreational weed is cool but saying five pounds to have at the house is basically like saying 
yo, selling drugs is okay. <laughs> kind of, sort of, right? Right? Because, <laughs> look, let's just be honest. There's no receipts for selling drugs. Ain't nobody writing an invoice like, yo, man, you bought, let's see, you bought five ounces from me off this pound. Nobody doing that, dog. Ain't nobody keeping book work. So it's basically relieving the police department of even just checking for weed. Like, just scratch, scratch weed off the, off the crime books in New York. You're good. You know, and it's funny because New York name before it was New York was New Amsterdam. And now it's super fitting because it's just Amsterdam, baby. It's about to be big blazing going on in New York. Woo! Five pounds? <laughs> and, and why is this crucial? Like, why is this a big deal? Because drug use for marijuana amongst, like, any race in America has basically been the same. However, black people are disproportionately targeted by drug laws in general. So by making this legal, you're keeping a lot of black people out of jail and you're making less interactions between the police department. Because like I said in, in the uh, episode 24, we asked the police to do a whole lot, guys. and it's kind of unfair because you put a lot of responsibility on them. This is one less thing the police department has to worry about, right? And if you can lessen the interaction between the police and the community, like for just BS reasons, and I would say marijuana is a BS reason because once again, everybody's smoking it. White, black, and indifferent. Everybody out here blazing up, right? So if everybody out here blazing up and you're just targeting black people, it's a problem. But with this bill now, man, the police don't have to worry about it. Right. You just may have saved somebody's life. And, and yo, not only did you save somebody's life, you may have given somebody their life back. Because this new law expunges a lot of marijuana related crimes off the book so you can get your life back. Man, if you was having a, a hard time getting the job because you had to check that box that's dumb as hell saying that, yo, I was convicted for such and such. And that's off your record now? You just made a lot of people's lives easier, dude. So props for this. Not to mention, man, you just made your state a lot of money, my guy. Like, yo, say what you want, but this was uh, smart as hell, dude. You're going to have a lot of industries popping up now, right? Since you got recreational drugs and you can carry all that weed around, like people are going to start going to like weed shops. Man, the hookah bar about to be super lit now. <laughs> Like, you're going to make so much money off this dude. So much money. New York just became a more popular tourist spot. I don't know how they're going to tax this, but, like, getting income off taxes is going to actually help the state, too. So this is a win all the way around. I don't see, like, many, many losing spots besides you're going to have a lot of scatterbrained people <laughs> walking around high. But I can say that with alcohol. And I do. And... Not to beat this point, though, man, like with the rise of like CBD uh, and people like really touting the health benefits of that. A lot of folks were saying that a long time ago with, with like full leaf medication and advocating for like the use of marijuana for medicinal reasons, you know, helping cancer patients and uh, helping people who have anorexia and loss of appetite eat. It was like tons of medicinal reasons for that, like helping muscle soreness and painness, like pain. Like people in the NFL, NFL players have said that 
sometimes the only thing that can help them with their pain management naturally was smoking marijuana. You know, think about that. Like it was literally helping these people. And you can make the argument, well, hey, it's a drug. Well, so are opioids, right? So in the NFL case, they was giving NFL players opioids and painkillers to deal with pain, but not allowing them to smoke weed. And why is this important to me? Because if New York legalizes marijuana, then in my eyes, because New York is the hub of America, like New York and L.A., they're like the two major hubs, a few more. But those are two major like hubs, California, New York. If you can legalize marijuana basically on the east and west coast, it's only a matter of time before the rest of the country follows suit. And that's important. Because we've stigmatized marijuana as being like so bad, like a class one drug, I think. Right there alongside of heroin and everything. And come on, dude. Like, there's no rational adult that thinks weed is on the same level as uh heroin. Right, right? Blazing bags and riding a horse, chasing the dragon. Two, two different things. Two totally different things, man. So this is a damn good step forward. I'm applauding New York. And I know Cuomo <laughs> pulled this out like, yeah, I'll sign it because he's going through some political danger right now. But yo, that point aside, this is a damn good thing. And this is going to help mass incarceration of black people go down because it's less things you can pin on black people. So I'm all for it, man. And we need to make this a national standard. Like every state in America need to go ahead and make we legal take that burden off the cops and take that burden off the disproportionately target African-American community. Yeah. And that's the common knowledge podcast, man. Just a man doing the best he can with what he got. Please check out my music on Spotify. Also check out my show on YouTube, Tokyo stash and spade, where we review music and check out for my other podcasts with Robinson mega jet Axel, secret house. Peace. Y'all be easy.